Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. All right, 60 minutes left. Evan Giddings, Dan Devone, Warriors this week. Every single Saturday, 9 to noon here on 95.7 The Game. Warriors back in action tonight against the Phoenix Suns. Warriors live an hour before the 5.30 tip. All right, here Tim Roy has the play-by-play action. Dan, we're discussing, you know, of course, what, what could be happening with the starting lineup, the role adjustment, whether it's Clay Thompson, Pajemski, Chris Paul is coming back. GP2 ideally available tonight as well. Off the bench for the Golden State Warriors. They're playing good basketball, 5 of 6 wins. Two points away from being, you know, essentially eight of their last ten. But at the deadline, whether they're a game below, or I think at the time they were two games below, they decided not to make a move. And that was something that I think was expected. Kind of just reading the tea leaves, entering that sort of uh, two-week window. Mike Dunleavy Jr. said 15 games back, they'd use it in evaluation period, decide what they should or shouldn't do. They only end up deciding to move Corey Joseph for a second-round pick and sending money out with him. Do you feel like that was, number one, what you expected at the trade deadline, and secondly, the right decision to do I, nothing? I think it was the right decision, just because I don't think that there was anybody out there that was available that was going to be a serious upgrade. And also... That to coincide that the team looked as though it's playing its best basketball over the last two, two and a half months. That with the return of Draymond Green, I think we always sort of we always sort of maintained that when Draymond comes back into the fold, you have to be a little bit patient just to see how this team works with him. How does Kaminga and Andrew Wiggins with Draymond Green sandwiched between those two, does it work? And it has. So I think that there was this, okay, before we get ahead of ourselves, before we trade half the roster, let's just wait, let's be patient, see what it looks like when Draymond comes back, and let's reassess. And in doing that, I think that with Andrew Wiggins playing well over the last month, I think it you know, it saved his butt here in San Francisco. Yeah. And I think it was the best move because I don't think there was anything out there that, again, was going to make you a better team. All it was going to do was disrupt any sort of chemistry. And again, I strongly believe that Steph Curry blew into somebody's ear, whether that was Lakeup or whomever, and said, hey, listen, you know, Mike Dunleavy Jr., we finally have, we're finally getting it together. Let's not move Wiggins. It's finally beginning to look like the sort of team that we thought we could be right from the beginning. This is the worst time to make any sort of a move. I think, though, when you think about maybe a month, month and a half ago, when we were talking about Siakam, they may not admit this right now, but 
I, I think Kaminga's name was dangled. I think that oh, yeah. they thought about it. I think the reason they didn't pull the trigger, it wasn't so much moving off of Kaminga, because if you remember, Kaminga just a short two months ago was not the Kaminga we're witnessing today. Yeah. It had more to do with the contract that was Siakam, that do we want to sign a guy that's going to be another max player? And first of all, there were no guarantees that he was coming back to you. Yeah, unless you got that wink-wink that, hey, I'm going to be around beyond this year. And, and I think there it might have been a possibility, but the risk-reward of trading a piece like Kaminga, who all of a sudden apparently has is, is looked like a guy that is is going to have staying power and help you improve. I mean, he might be the first you know, young, high draft pick in, in quite some time that it looks like it's not just panning out for the Warriors, but that is going to blossom for Golden State. If you traded that for Siakam, yes, you probably might have a, a player that does some things better, but I could just ask people this, like, do you think Pascal Siakam has, has played significantly better than Jonathan Kaminga the last, say, 15 games? I know we're not tapped in completely to what's going on in Indiana. Very but. few have. <laughs> but but I think you can make a case that Kaminga's been a more impactful player than Siakam, especially recently when they've been winning games. So, you know, whether he is or he isn't is, is not really the point, but... I don't think Kaminga's name was, and I, I we talked about this ad nauseum. Like I never thought that they should have traded Jonathan Kaminga because of the potential, and I'm very happy that that potential has now manifested itself into 22 points a game on 60% shooting his last 15. But I always felt like that was there, whether it was going to be this season or next season. I wasn't willing to give up on that. So Siakam was probably the biggest boy you could get. Um, going back before that, OG Ananobi was probably someone who was in conversations. But I also think Kaminga's name was probably involved in that deal as well, because you look at what they got from the Knicks. R.G. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly are both two young rotation pieces, and the Warriors don't really have any of those kind of guys outside of Kaminga and maybe Moody. So his name probably would have had to be in that deal as well. So I, I'm with you. The only big boys that they could have gotten would have involved someone you didn't want to trade. I think that they were in on Caruso, but I think that Chicago's delusional because I think, from what I read, according to Shams, that they wanted Kaminga. Yeah. Like, you're out of your mind. That is just not <laughs> happening. But Caruso, I think, is one of those guys that's, I mean, that's, that's a Steve Kerr sort of, if I was to go into a lab and create the perfect basketball player for my system, <laughs> it's Caruso, right? I mean, yeah. he's Pajemski, just a little bit more seasoned and a better shooter and a better defender than Pajemski. So it's, it's the perfect fit for the way the Golden State Warriors play basketball. And he's always had his eye on Caruso. So in Caruso, it's not coincidental that the Los Angeles Lakers have not been as good since they let him walk, which Jeannie Bush could have held on to him. I mean, he was it was just a, one of the many bad moves on the part of Palinka and company that let Alex Caruso walk out the door. He's a winner. He's a good basketball player. It's just, you know, the cost that Chicago was asking for was just, it, it made no sense. Uh, the Warriors are, are better off to staying put when you looked at, uh, at the landscape of players that were available that quote-unquote were going to make you better. When we talk about Jonathan Kaminga, and you can compare and contrast him to just about, you know, a lot of players that are perceived as being better than him, but in the case of, of Pascal Siakam, we talk about finances. One thing we have to remember, not only is the guy playing out of his mind, and uh, there are very few basketball players that are playing in the league right now better than than that of Jonathan Kaminga, and I mean everybody, Giannis mm -hmm. included, over the last, you know, the last month. 
but he's cheap. I know he won't be forever, but when you think about having to max out, and especially as a team like that of the Warriors, that you know have a payroll that's head and shoulders above everybody, not only in the NBA but in professional sports, and you're looking to be, you're looking to cut cost and be a little bit more frugal, which is one of the reasons why, which is the reason why they got rid of Corey Joseph, is that he's still under team control. That this guy's not even in double digits in yeah. terms. It's almost sort of like Brock Purdy esque. Now he's not making, you know, twenty bucks an hour like that of uh, you know Brock Purdy, but it's it's pretty close because the guy is, you know, he's he's I want to say I don't know what, what is he like seven or eight this year, and he's going to be under team control next year. Now they'll they'll give him the extension, but that's not going to kick in until two years from now. So he makes sense on so many different levels when you think about uh, Jonathan Kaminga. And one of the things I think that, that management also has to factor in is that this guy is on the cheap. I am with you that there weren't... Look, there wasn't a, a franchise-altering move that the Golden State Warriors could make at the trade deadline. And even if you look at Siakam or Ananobi, like Ananobi probably has the best case to be made for someone that... Has immediately come in and, and shifted, you know, the, the fortunes of, of the Knicks. But I think he's he's hurt right now, and he's going to be out for an extended period of time. So they're going to miss him. Uh, the Knicks were playing really good basketball before then, but he's got the best case. Even that being said, I don't think Ananobi's coming in or Siakam's coming in. Even if, for example, you didn't have to trade Kaminga and vaulting the Warriors into championship contention, I don't think those two players are that good to all of a sudden just jump. Denver, Los Angeles, the Clippers, um, along with Minnesota and OKC. Like, you're not looking at the Warriors as all of a sudden knocking on the door to win a title just because of those two guys. But I do think there were places that they could have, um, you know, trimmed the hedges. Like, there were moves out there that I thought teams made that were impactful, that were good, and that were gettable guys for a team like Golden State. For example, uh, what the Dallas Mavericks did, I really liked. They didn't have to give up all but Grant Williams, who was kind of a toxic contract that they just signed this offseason and had been playing terribly for them, so much so he fell out of the starting lineup, is not playing. They move him and end up getting back along with a couple of other players and picks they have to send out. You know, They, they go out and get a backup big in Daniel Gafford, who quietly had been playing good basketball with the Washington Wizards. They acquire a frontline player in P.J. Washington from Charlotte, who a lot of people might not really know much about, but... You don't have to give up a whole lot in order to get those two players that provide some depth to your front court and might even be able to step in and start if you have an injury. So that, for example, I thought was was a solid move. The Pacers, for example, who flipped Buddy Heald out to Philadelphia. That's a 38% shooter having a down year, but he's someone that can space the floor for the Sixers. And they only had to give up a second round pick, a couple of second round picks, along with Marcus Morris and Cork Maz and you know, kind of make the, the salaries move around. And then Indiana goes and replaces that shooting with someone they're familiar with and Doug McDermott. He shoots north of forty percent from three. And all they have to give up to the Spurs is Marcus Morris and a second round pick. Like none of these names are franchise altering guys. But that doesn't mean that certain teams in position to challenge for a postseason spot or get further in the postseason didn't get a little bit better at the deadline. And that's where I thought the Warriors did not. Well I think those trades made sense for those specific teams because they had those filled areas of need. I don't know that any of the players that you mentioned, 
maybe P.J. Washington, but I don't know that they there was a, the the area of need for the Golden State Warriors is sort of at that you know is is that big right? Somebody that's going to rim protect and also somebody that can also help you out in the offensive end. Like they're always vertically challenged in just about every basketball game. So. I don't know that that guy was necessarily available and whether he was worth disrupting any sort of chemistry or continuity that you've built up to this point. I will say, though, when you're talking about the landscape of the NBA, Ev, the New York Knicks may have just put themselves in the conversation of getting out of the East and getting the NBA Finals this year. I mean, they're for real. That's They're now ready to challenge the Boston Celtics as far as I'm concerned. You got Bogdan. I mean... I don't know what the hell's going on in Detroit. Maybe that's where the Warriors should have just said, hey, everybody's just fleecing from, <laughs> from Detroit. Let's go to the Pistons and just steal their best player, Bogdanovich, and you get Alec Burks for, you know, Quentin Grimes. is a He's a good player, but somebody that was expendable. All those guys, Fournier. I mean, yeah. the New York Knicks now, that's a team. Bogdanovich might have been the one missing piece because I don't mean to do New York Knicks basketball, but I spent some time in New York. And you hear the buzz, Dan. I, I, I watched that team. Is he going to be in Times Square? Well, it's, it's, it's Jalen Brunson, right? It's sort of like the Steph scenario. It's mm-hmm. like they needed someone also to offset and somebody that they can run plays with. And now you got Bogdanovich who could be that guy. And to go along with all those other pieces and the guy that we're all familiar with, Dante DiVincenzo, he's found a home out there. Mm-hmm. Like, they have got... They got Randall. They've got <laughs> Robinson. They've got pieces that are good, and they are long, and they can play on both ends of the floor. So I think trade deadline that you're if you're looking for areas of need, depending on who you are. And I use the Knicks as an example. They needed someone like Bogdanovich, and they went out and they got him. That's a perfect case to me of somebody that I think, at least for right now, that they think has put them over the top. So I don't think that necessarily was out there for the Warriors. I could be wrong. But in in relation to Golden State, though, yes, there's not necessarily a a glaring need right now, but... I, I I do think you could have added depth. Like you can always add more shooting. Again, one of the reasons I think Clay Thompson, not to rehash that conversation, but one of the reasons why I think he still needs to be a part of this team and a and a piece is because who else is knocking down threes? So if you address that by going to the trade deadline and getting a Boyan Bogdanovich, who I think is shooting near 40% from three this year, and is more of a modern four, even though he plays more kind of on the wing. That's someone that could have helped Golden State, um, you know. Like, and he was gettable again. Like the Knicks didn't give up much to go get him. He's also on the cheap in the coming years. So that's someone you can envision being around. Like there were places I thought the Warriors could have threaded a needle to not just get better this season, but also improve for next year. Um, a player like Kelly Olynyk. I know that might not jump out to people, but the the Raptors gave up Otto Porter. A guy named Kira Lewis I hadn't heard of before, and a lightly protected first-round pick. Like I don't think that's a whole lot to offer for someone that can help you in the immediate as well as down the line, and who's pretty inexpensive. Um, you know, like again, none of these guys are are, sh- are altering from a franchise spot, but you know, I, I just thought there was a place where the Warriors could get better. Again, not address a glaring need. And honestly, none of these teams are addressing glaring needs. Like, the Mavericks didn't have to go get bigger. They got Derek Lively, who's a 19-year-old rookie who looks like he's going to be a player for them for a couple of years. They didn't have to go get bigger, but they decided to because that's something that can help you win in the regular season, get to the postseason, and then we'll figure it out from there. I thought the Warriors, right now, 
use the trade deadline or use their recent run to say we're good and we'll just use our injuries that are coming back and act as if those are kind of the trades or upgrades that we're getting where I felt like there was a few relatively cheap options that they could use to improve. Yeah, I think Steve Kerr, you're right. I think Steve Kerr looked at it and said, okay, us moving off of Moses Moody or Chris Paul or whoever it is that you need to get to bring back Kelly Olynyk or any of the players that you just mentioned, is it worth it? Is it an upgrade compared to getting GP2 back into the lineup, getting Chris Paul back, and bringing up the likes of a Guy Santos and a Lester Quinones? And I think that... You know, Steve Kerr felt as though that's more of an upgrade to this basketball team going forward than disrupting the chemistry or disrupting any continuity uh, and moving off of some of our younger pieces. I think Moses Moody would have had to go. I, wouldn't you agree in some of those scenarios? Or Yeah, but he might not be playing anyways. Like, yeah. you know, if you've got 12 men, like he might just be out of the rotation. So how does he help you? Well, I, I think that... You know, the addition of GP2, it's, it's almost like getting a trade piece, right? Somebody who hasn't played throughout the majority of the season. Yeah. Um, and even, you know, the Guy Santos and Lester Quinones, I know it ain't sexy. And I know it's like something that they're G League players. I get it. But, I mean, these guys have had a serious impact on this basketball team. And they're one of your own. I know that they're not on, they're not on your roster. They're not on the 15, man. But th- these are guys that have played in the system. I mean, after all, it's, it's Coach Kerr's kid that is coaching. Coaching down there in Santa Cruz, and so it's the same system. It's the you know it's the way the Warriors play basketball. It's the same philosophy. So you're staying pretty much in house, and I think that that means something to the Warriors, who always sort of pride themselves on culture and doing it a little bit differently than everybody else in the NBA. No, I'm I'm with you. And again, I don't believe that there was a game-changing piece that the Warriors could acquire while also keeping Kaminga, and that appears to be their focus and should be on improving him and making him the focal point of the youth movement moving forward. My thing about the trade deadline is, and I guess it's more from a a, a macro standpoint, okay, so the reason why I I guess I would be disappointed that they didn't move anyone or acquire anyone in the deadline outside of Corey Joseph would be your season is still reliant in many ways, on the ifs that were present at the beginning of the season, but also were present in last year's second-round postseason run. And even going back further than that, what I mean by is, okay, so if Stephen Curry maintains a, you know an MVPS-level play or maintains a dominance that he has demonstrated, if Draymond Green can behave on the court and, for example, not tonight, slap Yusuf Nurkic again. (laughs) If Klay Thompson can find his new role and if Brandon Pajemski could be a player to step in and supplement that fall off, if Kaminga can continue to play with the reckless abandon and consistent production that we've seen as now our number two score, if Andrew Wiggins can be the two-way player that he was from two years ago, and he can uh, find some sort of consistency himself. And if Chris Paul comes back and doesn't reorder the hierarchy, and if Steve Kerr is someone that can you know, evolve and mature into someone that's focusing on the younger players helping and transfusing this team instead of falling back on the veterans, if all those things can happen, then yes, you're looking at a dangerous team that 
whose last year's ceiling was the second round of the postseason. Those, to me, are all ifs and questions that were at the beginning of this year, went back to last year, and none of them really are any different outside of probably Kaminga. He's the biggest question that's been answered. But the rest of those, in my opinion, you know, season-determining questions and ifs, those are all still there after the trade deadline. And that's, to me, I guess, reason for disappointment is all the questions that I still have about how far they can go in the ceiling of this team remain. Fair enough. I, I would I would say that doesn't every team, maybe not to the degree, have those same sort of ifs? Again, maybe not to the extent of the Golden State Warriors, but if Oklahoma City, Minnesota, of Sacramento, if New Orleans, if the Lakers, if, if the Clippers are all going to win a title this year, I'm sure that there's... You know, there's there's ifs in those locker rooms, that there are certain things that that have to take place in order for players to play at their full potential and give that respective team an opportunity to win. So I think it's relegated to a lot of teams in the NBA. Although, you know, I think to, to your point, probably maybe a little bit more so with the Golden State Warriors. To me, the biggest if a year ago, when you thought about the Golden State Warriors and you had questions as that bad taste in the mouth of Warrior fans as they ended things against the Los Angeles Lakers in Game 6 at Round 2 of the NBA Finals that they needed someone else to score the basketball other than Steph. Steph carried them through Sacramento. Steph carried them as far as he could against the Los Angeles Lakers. Klay Thompson was inconsistent, disappeared. Andrew Wiggins, for whatever reason, just was not the Andrew Wiggins of two years ago. We all That's well documented. Mm -hmm. It's like they need someone else to score the damn basketball consistently. And to me, that question's been answered with Jonathan Kaminga. So the biggest question that I had when I think about this team of a year ago was who's going to be the consistent player on that basketball team not named Steph Curry that's giving you 20 to 25 every single night and potentially breaking through to 30 to 35 and it's Jonathan Kaminga the only question with Jonathan Kaminga you could argue that he's not proven when it comes to big games in the postseason when it when it gets to those games where every possession is that much more magnified, you got to put on your big boy pants. Will he continue to be that guy? But you can also push back and say, well, Jordan Poole, you know, was just a was pretty much wet behind the years. Mm-hmm. And how big was he against, you know, the Denver Nuggets in the playoffs of a couple of years back? But those are the questions to be answered. But I think a lot of that uh, has provided. Uh, I think Jonathan Kaminga has provi- provided a lot of security with his play of late. Well, and to take one of your favorite games, uh, the Boston Celtics game, you know, midway through December, maybe that's an example of Kaminga showing that he can play big in a big moment because that's probably their most, you know, impressive win uh, so far this season. And I think he played 40-plus minutes in that game and, and was really impactful against a pretty much whole Celtics team. I don't, I don't think they had poor, uh, Porzingis that night, but he looked good working on Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and if you're talking about projecting to the postseason, maybe that's a game, along with, of course, a lot of other games that you can draw from and say, all right, well, I think he is ready for the big moment. Yeah, I think that that's one of the questions that if your second best player is somebody that's only in his third year and is now that the light has just gone on, um, are you are you running plays for him with less than four minutes to go in a tied game against you know the Minnesota Timberwolves in Game Seven? Like, how does he respond? I'm not saying that he can't be that guy because he has gotten postseason opportunities. He did play in the NBA Finals, but just you know, how reliant are you on? On Jonathan Kaminga in big moments in the biggest games, 
It is fair to note, I think, that as good as he has been, and he has been nothing short of remarkable, he still will from time to time put his head down and dribble into traffic. He, he still mm-hmm. will try and, you know, he'll get stripped. I saw him get stripped in Indiana by Therese Halliburton, and he'll go one way and the ball goes the other. And, and it was just like he had no business trying to make something out of nothing. Now, you know, it's, it's the exception now rather than the rule. Um, but he is still prone from time to time to be that guy that gets a little bit out of control. Uh, I, I still think it's fair to note that that's still part of his game, although he's eradicating it with every performance. Yeah, I think there's there's a fair question. This from the YouTube chat powered by First NorCal Credit Union. You know, Kaminga probably still not a number two in the playoffs yet, but who knows if he looks like he can be. That does give you a reason to believe that the Warriors can make some noise in the postseason. And I'm also, I, I am glad that we're back sort of to that place of we're not just looking at, oh, can they get back to 500? Even though I guess they still do, can do tonight. But okay, how do they start to match up with teams that are in their path? And I think that's why this final four game stretch before the All Star break is important because you get two top teams in the West, Phoenix and the Clippers. You get two tough road games in Utah. How are you going to play in those games right before the deadline, or probably before the break, pardon me? Can you get yourself back to, if not above, 500 between now and then? All right, one more segment coming up on Warriors this week. Evan Giddings, Dan Devone, your calls on the other side. 888-957-9570 is the number. We're back after this, 95.7 The Game. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Warriors this week continues on 95.7 The Game. 
All right, one segment light and a half hour up until noon. As always, here on Warriors this week, 9 to noon, Evan Giddings, Dan DeVoe, 95.7 The Game. Big thanks to everyone who's chimed into the conversation today, getting me through a litany of issues and conversations with the Warriors going 3-4 and four this week. But, Dan, focusing on, on the game tonight, I do think this is, this is one of those games that I know it's just one of 82, and it's a regular season affair. They're coming home after a five-game roadie. They took four of them, but... If the Warriors are, are a team that is playing as good as we think they are, I'm not saying they need to beat Phoenix to prove that, but this is kind of like a measuring stick game based on where the Warriors are at, but also how well the Phoenix Suns are playing having won 7 of 10. Yeah, I'm saying they need to win it. They need to win yeah, it. Yeah, they need to win it. Because we've had these benchmark games before. It's get, it's not getting late into the season. That need is like, nah, uh, using the word need this Early in the, it's still early. You don't you don't need it, but if they're really going to be the team that we think that has finally put it together, Draymond's been back for a while now, and you got a new front line, and we you know what Steph's doing, and Pajemski and all the kids, and it it looks different. It looks different. Well, we've had a lot of these measuring sticks, and they failed. And then we, you know, we either make excuses or we take a step back. And then this, this song and dance has continued <laughs> for months now. And I think everybody's gotten to the point. And I don't mean to speak for everybody out there in Dub Nation where it's like, okay, let's just break through. All right. Enough of the tease. Enough of the, enough of this little two-step. Win the, win the game. Beat Phoenix. You know, take, take, maybe you don't beat the Clippers, but then sweep Utah. Like, let's... Make this thing for real. Like let's let's go on this run that you know you're capable of doing. Enough talk, enough conjecture, enough speculating about the Golden State Warriors. Just just go out and beat Phoenix and beat them handedly. So it it really solidifies everything that we've discussed. That this no longer becomes some of the the questions that you proposed in the last segment. All these ifs, but rather than okay, this is who you are, and we're now believers. And I think it starts tonight. You think the Warriors should be favored in this game? What's the line? Warriors minus one and a half. Wow. <laughs> I'm okay with it. It's a little risky. <laughs> I wouldn't play it. I wouldn't play it. Look, I'm not going to sit up here. So, I'm, like, I'll be doing pre and post tonight. Warriors live, Warriors wrap up. And I hope you tune in, by the way, hour before the 5.30 tip. But if the Warriors lose tonight, I'm not going to sit up there and say, oh, well, you know, good job, this and that. But again, I don't think they need to prove... That the last five or six games, even the last eight games, I guess you could say, are, are real. Like, they've been in this position before, um, but if they lose to, a, I think, a really good Phoenix team, and a team that's playing particularly well, like I just read this stat that in the last ten, they're shooting 56% from the good. floor. They, they figured out something with Beal Booker and KD. They finally look like their big three has emerged, but for that reason, I'm not going to say, oh, well, the Warriors are just fool's gold. But I'm I'm more with I'm more just with the 408 and the Comcast business text line, which is the Dubs can make a statement in a win tonight over Phoenix at Chase. If they win tonight, that's a statement victory. But I'm not going to say that they're a fool's gold or what happened the last six games is not real if they lose because I think the Phoenix is really good. They are, but still win the game. <laughs> I still think you. There's just you know, it's it's time to string together some wins. And it's time to play winning basketball. And yes, Phoenix is good. There's a lot of good teams in the West. But if the Warriors are one of those good teams, right, they're not talking about being somebody that's, 
you know, maybe a year, maybe next year will be as good as Phoenix. Or we, you know, we played Phoenix, we played them well, so that's something to build on. No, it's about it's about beating the teams that are in front of you. Simply put, and Phoenix right now is at that six seed. Are they five of the six? The six seed, I believe. Yeah, they're the six seed. Mm-hmm. Beat them. Go out and beat them and solidify and you know justify. Uh, all of the the sort of optimism that now surrounds your basketball team. Uh, I do when we talk about the Suns. I mentioned this to you during the break. That Grayson Allen, who, by the way, not to go back to the MPF <laughs> list, but one of those guys that yeah, people like to punch. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not He's got sure. a punchable face. Not, I'm not promoting violence. You know that. But I'm just saying that unless they went to Duke, that dude. Yeah, he's he's playing well, and I always believe that it's. The Drew Holidays, the Pajemskis, the Carusos, you have your stars, the KDs and the Bradley Beals that everybody will pay attention to and Devin Booker's, but any championship team or anybody, any team that usually win titles usually has a guy like that, right? Like has the dude that does the dirty work, that doesn't hurt you offensively, he's good offensively, but somebody that, that D's up and has that super uber competitive nature, and he's one of those guys. Well, and I think that's also why the Warriors feel a bit different right now is because they've been winning with the kind of strength in numbers. Like not all of the five games or even the four wins on the road trip involved Curry just leading the way. He did so against Indiana, but I think it's ironic that the one game in which Curry was absolutely incendiary and scored 60 points was the game they lost. Yeah. I mean, you need everyone, 1 through 15, to play well. And Grayson and Allen then he is scores good, 9 and they win by 25. Exactly. And then, but, but Grayson Allen is a good example of that. And for the reasons that are obvious, you got three you know, very good all-star, if not better caliber players on your roster. No one's going to look at the fact that Grayson Allen is shooting 49.5% from three-point range, and he's giving you 12 and 5 and giving you two-way production. So you're right. Like that's, That is someone that is a, a key behind the cog of, of Phoenix. And to bring it back to the Warriors, also maybe someone you know, like Pajemski. Uh, I'm curious to see how he plays uh, against someone like Grayson Allen, or maybe if Allen's matched up on Steph, if he starts on Clay. Um, I don't know. I, I just think this is a great test for the Warriors. Yeah, I think Pajemski is he's answered to me. There's nothing in front of him or there's no test that remain for him. He's he's passed them all. I don't need to see any more from this guy. He's to me he's proven. Uh, he's just wired a little differently that you can rely on this guy going forward. Um Yeah, I think it's 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 going to be another test tonight, but the Warriors they should win the basketball game. Um you know, you got you were talking about strength in numbers. And I know we throw that around casually, but that really is sort of what the Warriors look like in these these last rash, mm-hmm. you know, these last couple, of, especially the last two games. Like that looked like Warrior basketball. There was something about not only that the fact that they won, but the way they won was really reminiscent. You're like they're in transition, they're ding up, they're they're now creating the turnovers and they're getting out and running like. Steph's now walking into threes. They're they're now pushing the tempo. It it looked very very similar to the template by which the Warriors were able to win those titles, and maybe it was just, you know, maybe it was just for a couple of games. But if that's the trend, that's 
to me, that's the familiar sort of style of basketball that I think Warrior fans have grown accustomed to and certainly is synonymous with them winning titles. 888-957-9570 is the number. Evan Giddings, Dan Devone. This from the YouTube chat. First NorCal Credit Union. I think it's pretty funny. From the land of Hella, Grayson Allen looks like he drives an F-150. <laughs> Something tells me Grayson Allen is more of a, a, a fast sports car type of dude. Like He's, he's the guy who... <laughs> actually likes to live lavish, even though he, he doesn't really give off that appearance. Uh, for the 447 on the Comcast Business text line, MVP Curry is going to show KD he's still the superior player. Kevin Durant is, dude, he's playing like 37 minutes a night for them and is not falling off at age 35. You think about the trade deadline this year, which to me was pretty boring, if you think about it. Gordon Hayward got moved. It talked about who the Knicks acquired. But think about last year. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant. Yeah. <laughs> Kyrie Irving. Finally going to Brooklyn. Yeah, Kyrie left. Uh, there's somebody else we're leaving out that was a huge trade at the deadline. At the deadline year. last year. I'm sure someone will bring it up. But, yeah, that was... Um, and all those draft picks that Brooklyn got back in return. And and so KD has been underwhelming since he's been at Phoenix. I mean, this is they mortgage the future, the Suns. They give it like five first-round picks for the next three years and a couple of second-rounders in there. They also gave up two, probably the two best players on Brooklyn right now, Cam Johnson and, and uh, Malik Bridges, right? Mikhail Bridges, Mikhail yeah. Bridges, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. two best players right now. And so uh, Kevin Durant has... I mean, the Suns weren't good last year, and they haven't been very good until of late. So, you know, when you think about Kevin Durant playing well, well, he better, because <laughs> they gave up a lot to get the guy. Yes. And if, you know, according to Kevin Durant, who thinks he's he should be in the GOAT conversation, uh, you know, this is a team that that uh, has not played up to the sort of the level of expectations since he came over in that landmark deal uh, at the trade deadline last yeah, year. Yeah, look, I mean, Phoenix got as far as the Warriors did last year in the second yeah. round. And they got got ousted by, uh, of course, the defending champion Nuggets. Well, it was so damn. The, the Pistons acquiring Simone Fontecchio didn't do it for you? No, no. God, the Pistons. You know, like mean, the Italian Stallion? It's going one of those north? organizations. Like but, Just getting back to the hiring, speaking of the Phoenix <laughs> Suns, Amani Williams, who is the highest paid coach in the history of the sport, and he's not... <sighs> the, what blows me away that there wasn't someone in the room, right? There wasn't someone yeah. in the room who said, whoa, 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 wait, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Like, who are we signing? For how much? And his name's not Spo. His name's not Kerr. His name's not Popovich. Like, why are we giving this? Like that. That's what. That's what should scare every Detroit Piston fan. And the, the you know that the deals and the trades have been sort of you know have, they've. It's it's been it's clearly they remind me of like the Cleveland Browns of like five years ago. Just certain <laughs> occasionally there are these organizations where you just look at and you're like. Wow, that's 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 a place that I'm glad I don't live and have to cheer for. Yeah, I mean, look, they they got a uh, four wins in their last ten. That's as many as they had through their first thirty-seven games. So they're they're trending up. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just kidding. Let's get out to uh, Mark and Milbray. Bring Mark and Milbray on with Evan and Dan here on Warriors this week. Mark, my man, how are you? What's up, guys? Yeah, really thrilled about uh, this last road trip. I can't remember the last time the Warriors were that good on a road trip, especially a defensive end. Curry playing out of his mind. We're used to his greatness, but Kaminga, I'm glad they're keeping him, and finally Curry's realizing this kid is probably going to be your second-best player going forward, and the, the confidence and, and the way he's rolling right now is outstanding. You see, this 
he's going to be playing 40-plus minutes, man. He's playing all-star level basketball, and hopefully this continues um, as well as they played, guys. So you got a, you got a critical stretch here. This is starting tonight. I'm going to be at that game tonight. A really excellent Phoenix team, and as you guys mentioned, Durant. Durant's playing out of his mind right now. Obviously, you got another stud in Booker and Beal as well. Mm-hmm. They got probably the best big trio, but Phoenix is rolling right now. Huge stretch. I want to see the Warriors get back to dominating at home. We've seen it. Obviously, they've beaten teams like uh, Boston, a couple other elite teams. This is going to be huge tonight. If you can, at minimum, go 2-2, two and because two, I'm not really concerned about Phoenix or the Clippers because the Warriors are not going to catch those teams. you got to worry about the teams in front of Utah. you got to win those two Utah games. And those are not given because we know how tough Utah is. Utah is one of those teams that's kind of random, but they can beat anybody. And as the Warriors have found out, they're a tough team. So you got to win those two games. I'm hoping they win tonight. I would love to see them go 3-1. 4-0, obviously, we want. But mm-hmm. I don't know if they can beat the Phoenix and Clippers. Minimum go 2-2. Two and two. If you can get that, and then going out of the All-Star break, you got you got a home stand there. I'm going to feel really good about the team, guys. And they really can catch probably that 7-8 seed. I don't know if they can get the 6 seed because they're probably, what, 6 games behind right now with uh, with 30 games left unless they go on some godforsaken run and some somebody falls off. Maybe the Kings will see because they haven't been as good as last year. I think they're going to be sitting pretty, guys, but tonight's going to be huge. And we know the Durant back in town, Curry, Clay, and Draymond, and Kaminga, they're going to want to go off. So it's going to be rocking at Chase If they win tonight, guys, look out. Because we know the Clippers, they're, 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 Clippers give them as much trouble as anybody else. Mm-hmm. So we'll worry about tonight, though, guys. They get tonight. I'm going to be feeling good about this team and, and a heading to the All-Star break. If you can go 3-1, look out. Thanks for the time, fellas. Thanks for the call, Mark. Really good stuff. I, I think that's the goal. I mean, three and one is the goal. To me, you got to go two and two, and so maybe that's why I guess I'm not looking at this game as you know you got to go out and win or must win. But obviously, if you lose, then you pretty much need to take both games in Utah and then give yourself a chance against the Clippers because you got four games in, in the next six days, and whether that is against good teams against bad teams, that's going to be a lot of minutes for a lot of old players. What do you think about Kaminga? He mentioned Kaminga and yeah. his emergence, and is something we certainly have talked about. What do you think about Kaminga, them running plays through Kaminga? I have sort of an issue, not an issue with it. I think he's, well, I'll get your answer. Like you want to see more plays run through Kaminga? No, I think it's a little, suddenly you go from a guy that you were sort of uncertain, weren't giving playing time, now you're actually <laughs> running plays through him, like letting clear aside, give it to him in the post, everyone get the hell out of the way. I think he's better served working within the offense or getting downhill off a break or sort of like, I don't know, when he has to pound that dribble and you know that he's going to the rim, he knows he's going to the rim, the defense knows he's going to the rim. Um, I don't know. It's just I don't think he's completely mastered that part of his overall game at this point. Well, I don't think – well, I, number one, I think you're right. N- number two, I don't think that they run the offense through him when Steph is on the floor. But if he's on and Steph is out, you might see him a little more on ball. I, I, I just think, honestly, Kaminga is – he is playing within the offense. At least this is what I see. I wonder what you think about it. He is playing within the offense. I think he's just 
better equipped to recognize when to pick his spot, like when to attack, whether it's out of the post, whether it is from the top of the key, whether it's in transition. I just think Kaminga has a better overall feel for when it's his time to put the ball on the floor and attack the tin, or maybe when to not settle for a three-point shot or take the pull-up J. I just think the game's like slowing down for him in a rapid fashion, and that's why I think offensively he's not just been scoring a lot, but he's also been really efficient. Well, that's why I think when you run a play through him, it disrupts all of that, does it not? Because you're right. He's now beginning to recognize when to pass. If there's an opportunity, he feels as though there's somebody he can go on. Like he's, You can see all of that taking place. But when you give him the ball and you clear his side, you've taken away all those options. Now we're saying just go. Like, you know, just just go ahead. You've shown that you can score on anybody. We believe it. We've seen it. Now go ahead and and make it happen. It becomes a little bit too obvious, I guess. It's just I, I like it when he's working more in the fabric and having to make those decisions. Like, okay, I'm going to make the extra pass here, or no, I'm going to go, or like all those sort of things that are coming into focus for him. But when you clear a side or you run a play for him, I think a lot of that decision making has you know, has been removed and. It becomes a little bit more one-dimensional. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I can see it. For, like for me, I just think that when Kaminga is, well, I, I mean, like really, the only time they turn him into a decision maker is when he's he's either in the post. Um, but that's like a product of the ball movement. I think they kind of work, just work hand in hand, and I guess that's why I think he's still, you know, working within the offense because the offense is supposed to be one, at least from what I've seen them when the Warriors run at their most optimal level where anyone can be a threat at any given time, whether it's on a cut, whether it's you know Curry curling off of a three, um, Kaminga getting into the paint, kicking out to a shooter, Pajemski attacking off a second-chance opportunity, um, you know even Trace Jackson Davis if he gets in, or Looney rolling and cleaning things up, Draymond being the initiator, I think has also taken some pressure off of Curry as a ball handler. So I, I don't think Kaminga's operating... You know, as as the one, but like on certain plays, I think he just knows that he's the right man for that spot, and that's what I've been impressed about. Is he's also been able to recognize, okay, when the ball needs to move, or when I get it, the amount of time that it takes for him to make a decision about either to attack, you know, to what shoot, pass, or uh, dribble. That decision making time has shrunk significantly, and I think that's also why the defense is in a more compromised position when he tr- decides to attack it. I wonder against a team tonight like you know Nurkic and, and other teams that have um, you know guys that just kind of sit in the paint. Like Nurkic is not going to step out and guard Draymond, and. Is Kaminga inclined to still try and finish over the top of Nurkic, looking ahead at the other teams that he's got to face? So Zubats, um, Utah's got, I think, six players that are 6-8 and above. Like, how does he maintain that level of aggressiveness against much larger competition, as opposed to... Oh, I mean, I guess Indiana's got Miles Turner, who's a shot blocker. Um, the Sixers didn't have Embiid, but when he was on the floor at home, he still did. I, I don't know. Like, I, I just think Kaminga's really emerges someone that thinks the game out more than is just reacting to it right now. Yeah, I guess my point is, is that when Steph's off the floor, and you can clearly see during a timeout where Kerr's like, okay, you, you need somebody who's going to give us offense, right? And so if it's Dario Saric and you're looking around the room and it's Moses Moody and it's Pajemski and it's 
you know, it's Quijones or it's Guy Santos. You're like, all right, who's, who can I rely on that's going to give me consistent offense? Well, it's Kaminga. So let's, let's run a play through Kaminga. And Kaminga knows that he's got a supply offense. Like when it becomes that obvious, I just feel as though he's – it's not that he's not as effective. It's just that he, you lose a little bit there. You know, one guy we forgot about, speaking of the trade deadline a year ago, was uh, GP2 came to the Golden State Warriors yes, for that he did. James Weissman deal. So I'm just curious what the over and under is that he makes it to the finish line without <laughs> another injury. Well, that, that's that's the thing. It, I guess I left him out of the ifs. Uh, you know, if, <laughs> if Gary Payton II can stay on the floor. I mean... Because I, I think he elevates their defense, and I think he's another guy, another energy, high-energy player that doesn't need the ball to help you be successful when he's on the floor, even if he's not the greatest shooter. So I think him and Pajemski are kind of... like I look at them as, as similar. Pajemski might not be as good of a defender, but he's probably a better guy on offense, um, moves the ball more. But GP2, they do similar things. And so I, I also wonder if they're if we're going to see them play together or if it's going to be one or the other. Yeah, the, the good thing about GP2, if you lose him this year, you feel as well. You, you already lost him, but if you lose him again, because you become so accustomed to playing without GP2 that now that you have this depth, that it's, yeah, it stings, but it, 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 it's not as painful as, say, a year ago. Or when he first started going out with injuries, like two years ago, you're like, oh, Man, without GP2, he was just playing so well. Now it's like, okay, well, kind of had a feeling you were going to go down, and now we have so many guys that can step up, and almost too many guys that it's, that it's you know, you lessen the blow because of the emergence of all of these young players, namely the Quinones and the Guy Santos, and the list goes on, that you don't become as reliant on GP2 as you once were. No, that, that's true. And I think, again, all of this has is, is kind of come to the forefront in Draymond Green's return, right? Because if you're looking at what he can do offensively, well, it's initiate for people, and defensively he raises the level. And he's also been able to to glue Wiggins and Kaminga, which has been extremely impressive. You know, before Draymond came back, they were a minus 106, Kaminga and Wiggins. Since his return, they're a plus 74 in 160 minutes. So, you know, when, when Draymond's playing well, I think he still is the Warriors' second best player. I think Kaminga is probably their second best offensive player, all behind Curry. But again, their hierarchy has been more clear lately. And I'm curious to see how that, like the, whether it's the rotations or lineups, how that is visible tonight against Phoenix, because this is probably a, a playoff type of rotation that I would think tonight. Because you're looking to knock off a team that, at least I think on paper, has been playing better than the Warriors. And again, I think it all gets back down to maintaining the same sort of energy that you had against Indiana, that you had against Philadelphia. And how do you get energized and how do you play like that? Well, it it's using those young legs and making sure that there are significant roles for Quinones, Guy Santos, Pajemski, Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, Andrew Wiggins, all your younger players have got to help set the tone to go along with your best players, that being Steph, uh, Draymond, and Clay. And, uh, yep, so that's going to do it for us here on Warriors this week. Thanks. uh, That hangover is like you're going on day three here. You all right? No, sorry. Ken was in my ear. Our our new guy, Ken, on the board. And uh, we very much appreciate him. 
along with Mark Grandy, along with yourself, Dan Devone, including all of our callers, everyone who's chimed in with the Comcast Business text line, who's texted us on the YouTube and Twitch chat, powered by First NorCal Credit Union. Big thank you to you joining us here today on Warriors This Week. We'll be back next week, same time on Saturday, 9 a.m. to 12. Reminder to tune in at 4.30 for Warriors Live, right before the 5.30 tip-off later this evening against the Phoenix Suns. A potential statement game for the Warriors is on the horizon. And then, of course, they got their four games next week before the All-Star break. But we will talk to you seven days from now. For Dan Devone, my name is Evan Giddings saying so long and thank you again Let for Jimmy joining Jacket. us. <laughs> Let Jimmy Jacket on Warriors this week. Go 49ers. We'll talk to you in a week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.